0: We are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Beyond the news, people, yes, we made it to another Beyond the News episode. It's been seven episodes since the last one, and here we are again. Again. I love these episodes because we just get to hang out. It's more of just kind of like this casual, fun look at life on Earth in this dimension. Like, it's very strange. This is all news for those that do not know. Every seven episodes, we comb with a comb. It's a digital comb. It's called a brain filter. We comb Earth's news feed. We find the strange, the unusual, the abnormal, the weird, the wild, everything that you should know about, but maybe you don't know about, or maybe you kind of heard about. And We aggregate all that. We cover it. We read these articles. We find these articles. We read these articles. We talk about it because as we have these guests, these incredible guests, and if you have been checking out the most recent episodes, my God, what a run, huh? The guests are here, but then we just have to also stop for a second and say, Hey, Hey, what's going on on earth at the moment, you know, roughly seven weeks or so, because it takes that much time for the articles to build up in a way that's enough to create a content for an episode. So it takes time. We connect with this information And it adds to the weirdness. It adds to the strangeness. This is the Midnight on Earth vibe. You know it well. So here we are. And with us, as usual, is the incredible, the amazing, absolutely uncanny Bryn Anderson of Vinyl Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. Hey, how's it going? You're here beyond the news again. It's 2023. Can <laughs> here you believe it? I am, it? yes. It's the end of 2023.
1: Is this the last beyond the news of 2023? Maybe. Uh, Maybe not quite. Maybe there's one more.
0: There might be one more. Maybe. I, I I don't know. But yes, this is the tail end of 2023. So much strangeness. So much weirdness. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm in squirrel mode. I've been... Digging roots, making fire cider, picking the last of the flowers, just having so much fun, enjoying the beautiful fall here.
0: Right. Herbal things because you're an herbalist.
1: (laughs) That's what I do. I'm really excited about digging
0: roots, you know? Yes. Not everyone is. I I am. Including being a guest podcast host. You're the guest. You've always been the guest co-host here. So we just love your presence. Thank you for being here, Brynn. As we go through this, this is going to be incredible. Sure
1: kind of weirdness did you find in the world today
0: oh 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 god there's just so much stuff there's so much (laughs) happening people don't be frightened okay if you listen to this stuff yes it's off-putting you could say in a lot of ways but don't let it affect you in a way that's going to kind of like disrupt your auric field and send you into a psychic tizzy don't (laughs) Let that happen. Wow! I
1: don't know what, that, what kind of information is forthcoming with that kind of press.
0: I don't know, but I'm just saying in general, people don't be disheartened because of the weirdness and the strangeness on this planet. Just remember all the things that we talk about on all of the episodes. When we have the guests, the positivity, where we're going, the love, the line, all of those wonderful things. So just remember that. Keep that in mind as we trudge through this. Earthness. Is that a word? Earthness? Sure. It is now. But before we start the episode, I need you to do something for me. If you have not done this already, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of the places where you can find podcasts Podcasts are pretty much integrated into all of your apps now that have some sort of audio playback. It's all there. Find me. Click the button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on. You get a notification as soon as a new episode premieres. It's amazing. It's really cool. Technology. Speed of light. At the speed of light, people, you will get that notification. And lastly... Tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these types of podcasts. You know these people, you know them, you know what they like, or you know what they probably need to know, but just don't tell them that, but just bring them here. Tell them about this place, midnightonearth.com. Okay, and now we're going to go into these articles. Bryn, are you ready? I'm ready. Bryn, are you ready? I'm ready. There you go. Wow. (laughs) Who knew she had it in her? There's a wild beast locked up in a tiny herbalist body. Okay, here we go. First article. It's kind of strange. This whole thing is going to be weird, people. Like I said, all those things I said earlier still apply. Vice.com. Headline, Canada will legalize medically assisted dying for eligible people addicted to drugs dear god i don't know how i feel about this but here we go
1: even the title
0: here's the article canada will legalize medically assisted dying for people who are addicted to drugs next spring in a move some drug users and activists are calling eugenics yeah good call some people (laughs) how about saying what else is it (laughs) and then the other okay the country's medical assistance in dying law abbreviated made not the kind that comes to your house, which first came into effect in 2016 will be expanded next March to give access to people whose sole medical condition is mental illness, which can include substance abuse disorders before the changes take place. However, A special parliamentary committee on MAID will regroup to scrutinize the rollout of the new regulations according to the Toronto Star. I don't know how I feel about this, people. Currently, people are, actually I do, are eligible for MAID if they have a grievous and irremediable medical condition such as a serious illness or disability. That has put them in an advanced state of irreversible decline and caused enduring physical or psychological suffering, excluding mental illness. Anyone who receives MAID must also go through two assessments from independent health care providers, among meeting other criteria. According to a statement from Health Canada, the assessments must explore a person's treatment history and a Person cannot refuse all or most treatments and automatically render themselves incurable for the purposes of accessing MAID. People who haven't attempted multiple treatments won't qualify. Karen Ward, a drug user activist in Vancouver, said she considers the expansion of MAID to include people with substance abuse disorders a, quote, statement in federal law that some people aren't really human. The government has made death accessible while a better life remains impossible, she said. Homes for all, guaranteed, dignified incomes, access to health care, education, and employment, these aren't radical demands. While there have been fears around a massive influx of people wanting made assessments once the new regulations kick in, Martel said if triaged properly, he expects the number of people to qualify to be relatively low. Whoa, people, whoa, made a program. I know. I already know about it, but now they're expanding it. They're just going to keep expanding it. It's very strange. I don't know how I feel about that. Brynn, what do you think?
1: I don't know. I think it is like a maid that comes to your house, except for...
0: They come to clean your soul. You don't
1: make it out. I don't (laughs) know. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. I'll have to ask. I have some family members in Canada. I'll have to ask them how they feel about it since it's like a normalized thing there. I'm curious their opinion about
0: it. That's very strange. Canadian listeners, tell me what you think. What do you think? We all have the right to choose our own path. But if it's forced on a person in lieu of more expensive, adequate treatment... That's something I would be concerned about.
1: Well, it sounds like they have to accept all forms of treatment first, Mm. which is kind of interesting because some people might not want to do certain treatments, but they're saying you can't just go and say, I'm incurable. I want to die. It has to be like, well, you did chemo. You did these drugs. You did all these different treatments. You're still not getting better. You're still, you know, on a downward spiral and you're in pain. Then they assess it. I don't know. It's supposed to be a patient choice is what I'm understanding, but I don't know. It's just, I guess it's the, the trust part, I guess, with the government and the medical establishment seems to be off there. Like who how, that, that's like, that's what I wonder is like, is it really a person's choice and who decides like when they have two people come to assess you, like, wh- what is that all based on? And, and is that like, I don't know who decides that you get to access that program or not
0: it's know. all really strange but let's just pivot to the next story sure. what happened i'm let's sure see. we'll be revisiting this concept in later episodes people it's it's all new so 2016 they started it this is from the independent.co.uk headline man pretends to be store mannequin before stealing jewelry and food from the mall Okay, see, we all got a laugh out of that, right? Just change the energy a little bit. Okay, here's the article. A man has been arrested after he pretended to be a mannequin in front of a store window before stealing from a shopping center after it closed, police in Warsaw have said. The 22-year-old was pictured in CCTV standing still and holding a bag in a window of the store. Polish police said that staff and shoppers failed to notice anything unusual as the man stood in the window. Quote, a 22-year-old with a bag in his hand froze motionless, pretending to be a mannequin in front of a shop window, police said in a statement. In this way, he wanted to avoid being exposed by the cameras. After the shopping center closed, the man on one occasion stole from a jewelry stand. On another occasion, so he's done this more than once, he went into a restaurant to eat before slipping under the roller shutters at the entrance to a store to swap his clothes for new ones, police sent. Afterwards, he returned to have some more food. However, he was eventually spotted by security personnel who called the police. Shouldn't
1: have went back for seconds. Might have got away with it.
0: According to police, (laughs) The man is also accused of stealing from another shopping center where they allege he took money from cash tills and trying to steal other items after it closed. The suspect could face 10 years in prison, and has been remanded in custody for three months. Dang. He thought he was so smart. Mannequin man.
1: <laughs> Felt like he was being creative, you know, wasn't
0: yeah. just like straight up. Shoplifting. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he had like an evil light bulb go off. He was like,
1: oh, he's like, oh. If I'm a mannequin, if yeah. I just sit there, if I just sit there, they
0: won't know. And guess what, people? It worked. Oh my it god, it totally worked. <laughs> okay, well, here's something else that totally could work and hasn't worked yet: metro.co.uk. Scientists just made a huge leap forward in bringing animals back from the dead. Is this pet hey, cemetery? It's
1: Halloween, you know.
0: Right. Here is the article. Last month, scientists announced they had extracted RNA from the remains of a thylacine, a.k.a. the Tasmanian tiger. The RNA may be tiny, microscopic, even, but the ramifications of this extraordinary success are significant for de-extinction efforts bringing back species that have disappeared has long been a fascination for scientists and science fiction writers but progress has been slow in part because dna is only part of the story
1: it's not like jurassic park but with tigers tasmanian tigers
0: Yes, exactly. It was almost 40 years ago in June 1984 that researchers from the University of California at Berkeley announced they had extracted DNA from a scrap of dried muscle tissue from the remains of a quagga, an extinct subspecies of the modern zebra. Interesting, a quagga, I've never heard of that. DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid is the body's blueprint. DNA in cells contain... All the information required to build an entire individual coded in chromosomes. But to do so, they must specialize and form particular types of cell. A process known as gene expression. And this is where RNA or ribonucleic acid comes in. It is the architect, this article says, transforming those plants into a living creature. And now Dr. Emilio Marmol Sanchez and his colleagues have extracted, sequenced, and analyzed RNA from the 130-year-old remains of a Tasmanian tiger. The feat is not an easy one given RNA molecules are much more fragile than DNA, sometimes thought to be decaying within hours of death. And so they're using that RNA, it seems, to revive these animals. <laughs> it's just going to be like jurassic park friend yes you're right just like jurassic park they're going to be bringing back everything that's been lost people get attached to things like it's okay for things (laughs) to just
1: really miss that tasmanian tiger (laughs)
0: or the weird zebra thing right or whatever
1: so they're gonna have this petting zoo right you're gonna see it open up it'll be like oh 2027 the new petting zoo back from the dead blah 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 and then yeah
0: Zombie petting zoo.
1: Zombie petting okay, zoo. Okay, there you go. Okay.
0: Okay, next article, themirror.com. Here's the headline Church in AI Takeover as Sermon led by Chat GPT in Artificial Intelligence Breakthrough. Yes. <laughs> AI reached God. Well, I mean, if it can, I don't know, man. Let's check the article. The word of God has now been officially taken over by AI as proved by this robot generated sermon, which included humans worshiping. You can now forget the stereotype that religion is backwards as this Methodist church in Texas now uses artificial intelligence to conduct a service with chat GPT on September 17th, 2023, the Violet crown city church a Methodist church in North Austin, U S transformed the tradition of Sunday service into the new age with artificial intelligence. Pastor Jay Cooper of the church decided to debut an AI generated worship service for his congregation jay came across the idea of using ai to worship god through using chat gpt himself for personal use such as writing humorous country music lyrics for fun and thought it would be a great way to move his congregation into the 21st century by introducing them to ai in a way that still lets them worship god using ai Jay recorded the service while letting the artificial intelligence generator conduct the service with AI being able to create prayers, a sermon and an original song based on the sermon itself. Jay insisted he was able to use AI in a way that many would not have thought of and take the stereotype that Christianity meant being unaccepting and stuck in the past. The idea to create an AI-generated worship service came from my belief that the church should not only be aware of the most pressing issues of our world, but also to actively engage in them, Jay said. AI is definitely one of those issues. So I wanted to incorporate it into our community in such a way that it would make an impact. The initial reason we offered this admittedly unorthodox service was to inform our congregation about AI and to understand its potential and its limitations. The purpose is to invite us to consider the nature of truth and challenge our assumptions about what God can make sacred and inspired. And here's Jay one more time. Although many were impressed by the A.I.'s ability to create prayers, a sermon, and the song, along with being glad we have a much better understanding of A.I. now, many in our church expressed that the service felt shallow and generic, and that it was missing the most important component of worship, which is heart and the human spirit of joy and authenticity. So not there yet, but they're trying. It's interesting. Chad GPT, you know, it's wild. It's wild. I've taken the deep dive and it's unbelievable what they're letting out for public use, which means what they have in the private sector and also behind closed doors is far, far more powerful. So we reported on this last beyond the news, I believe, and it's an updated article. If you remember, there was a man trying to cross the ocean in a hamster wheel filled with balloons and food and water that he designed. And he felt it could withstand any weather or ocean-related situation. And he was going to go from Florida to England, I believe. Well, he's back. And this is futurism.com headline, Florida man arrested for trying to cross ocean in hamster wheel. Again, yes, again. And here's the article. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, until the Coast Guard arrests you. As the New York Times reports, 51-year-old Reza Baluchi was arrested last week off of Florida's eastern coast while attempting to traverse the Atlantic Ocean by way of a rigged-out, human-powered hamster wheel of sorts, which... Bellucci lovingly dubs his hydropod. The Florida resident, who's also a former professional cyclist, was stopped about 70 miles into his planned 4,000-mile ocean trek. It's somewhat of a familiar scene for Bellucci, who, according to court documents, has now attempted the daring mission on four separate occasions. <laughs> so he did it again, people.
1: They're on the lookout for him now. Oh, yeah. You see a guy out there in a hamster wheel. Um, I wonder how many miles, if this is the farthest he's made it, 70 miles. He's probably feeling pretty (sighs) stoked. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it.
0: Well, his next innovation is figuring out a way to be just under the waterline so you don't get noticed.
1: Right. Why is he arrested, though? Is it illegal to take yourself across the ocean?
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, why not? I don't
1: know. What if he does it? And then everybody's going to be like, oh, the newest thing
0: well to close the article according to the new york times when the coast guard approached the hydropod on august 26 and demanded that bellucci deboard his ship he resisted threatening to kill himself with a knife and even claiming that he had a bomb he actually didn't but he said that it took two days to get the cyclists off of his vessel and once deboarded, he was charged with obstruction of boarding and violation of the captain of the port order. Whoa. Bellucci has since been released on a $250,000 bond under the agreement, according to the court documents, that he may not go to the ocean or board any vessel on the ocean for the foreseeable future. That's right. He's banned from the ocean. Dang. Right. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Okay. Told you it was going to be a weird one. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> Gizmodo.com, headline Space Drugs Factory denied re entry to Earth. Yeah, it's illegal to bring drugs into the planet, bro.
1: Re entry? So that means, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> they shot the drugs into space. They're not letting it back in. They're like, look. Uh,
1: space Factory,
0: though? I don't know. Is that a yeah, slip, space drugs? Because is there a. I don't think there were factories in space. Okay, here's the article. After manufacturing crystals of an HIV drug in space, the first orbital factory is stuck in orbit after being denied re-entry back to Earth due to safety concerns. The U.S. Air Force denied a request from Varda Space Industries to land its in-space manufacturing capsule at a Utah training area while the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration did not grant the company permission to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, leaving its spacecraft hanging as the company scrambles to find a solution, TechCrunch first reported. A spokesman from the FAA told TechCrunch in an emailed statement that the company's request was not granted at this time due to the overall safety, risk, and impact analysis. Interesting. Gizmodo reached out to Varda space to ask which regulatory requirements have not been met, but the company responded with a two word email that ominously read no comment. The California startup did provide an update on its spacecraft through X formerly Twitter. We're pleased to report that our spacecraft is healthy across all systems it was originally designed for a full year on orbit. If needed Varta space wrote on X and said, we look forward to continuing to collaborate with our government partners to bring our capsule back to earth as soon as possible. And recently the co-founder of the company tweeted space drugs have finished cooking baby. Unfortunately, the space drugs are not allowed to come back to Earth, baby. VARDA's capsule was originally scheduled for re-entry on September 5th or 7th, but the company's application was denied on September 6th, according to TechCrunch. The request as it stands now is still pending. VARDA's in-space manufacturing capsule is a byproduct of a growing space industry, which grants easier access to low-Earth orbit. The current regulatory debacle is also the result of a young space industry, one in which proper regulations of spacecraft are still taking shape. Wow, that's so trippy to think about. I think it had something to do with the vacuum of space, the different aspects, temperature control, things like that, that you can only do in that type of zero gravity environment. That creates probably different effects in how these crystalline structures develop But for whatever reason, they didn't want the new mutated space AIDS to come back to Earth. (laughs) They're like, no, wait, what do you got there? Well, you know, we just have some uh, mutated space AIDS, HIV, you know, nothing too serious. Just new mutated space AIDS drugs. But we have space AIDS out there to test the drugs. Oh, oh, no, you can't come back to the planet. (laughs) Sorry, guys.
1: That's kind of crazy to be like. Yeah, I didn't know that there was such a thing as space factories. But then that's interesting to think you have some industry out in space. And they're like, no, you can't come back.
0: Whoa. Okay, here's another big thing that happened. Oh, God. So many things happen sometimes in these beyond the news gaps of the weeks. And it's just shocking. And we report on all of it at once. And it's just can be weird. But this one's from BBC.com. Here is the headline. Scientists grow whole model of human embryo without sperm or egg. Great. (laughs) They're going to have it in the petting zoo
1: with the tiger and the zebra. (laughs) While They'll
0: be the security guards, the clones. There you go. Dear God. Okay. Here's the article. Scientists have grown an entity. That closely resembles an early human embryo without using sperm, eggs, or a womb. The Wiseman Institute team says their embryo model made using stem cells looks like a textbook example of a real 14-day-old embryo. It even released hormones that turned a pregnancy test positive in the lab. The ambition for embryo models is to provide an ethical way of understanding the earliest moments of our lives. The first weeks after a sperm fertilizes an egg is a period of dramatic change from a collection of indistinct cells to something that eventually becomes recognizable on a baby scan. This crucial time is a major source of miscarriage and birth defects, but poorly understood. Quote, it's a black box, and that's not a cliche. Our knowledge is very limited, Professor Hannah from the Wiseman Institute of Science tells the article. writer. The researchers stress it would be unethical, illegal, and actually impossible to achieve a pregnancy using these embryo models. Assembling the 120 cells together goes beyond the point an embryo could successfully implant Into the lining of a womb. Yeah, thanks for the reassurance, but we know it's coming. The genie's out of the bottle. Pandora's box has been opened. All of those metaphors, you know. So let's do a fusion of the last two articles. This is from sciencefocus.com. Here's the headline. Scientists are racing to conceive the first baby in space. Here's (laughs) why. Here's the article. Everyone, it seems, is fixated on space exploration right now. NASA, in collaboration with the Canadian, Japanese, and European space agencies, is working on the Gateway program to build a human-tended space station in lunar orbit, and various billionaires are continuing with their plans to establish colonies on Mars and Venus and launch space tourism enterprises. Assuming they're successful, these projects would represent the first tentative steps humanity takes away from Earth and further out into space. But if surviving among the stars is the long-term aim of such endeavors, there's a hurdle that needs to be overcome in the short term. Human Reproduction. Making babies in space, whether by artificial means or naturally, is fraught with issues, most notably radiation and gravity. Spaceborn United, a company based in the Netherlands, is trying to address these issues. To that end, it has developed a miniaturized in vitro fertilization and embryo incubator which is ready to be launched on a mission to assess humanity's ability to reproduce in space. In late August, the company recently completed a drop test from 12 miles above Earth to test for the impacts of radiation on organic material. A drop test? Like they, drop, they dropping have, babies? No, 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 or? <laughs> no, no, no. no <laughs> they're happening? just trying to figure things out. <laughs> of course, it says the first step is also using animal models like mammalian gametes and embryos. But eventually, of course, they need to transition to working with human gametes. So far, in the last five to six years, we have focused on this first stage of reproduction and probably will for the next five to six years. This includes conception and embryo early development. They're saying, wow, interesting. Okay. So they have a machine. They're trying to... Figure out how to deal with the gravity and other issues to have children in space. Look, we're pushing out people, regardless of what you see in the mainstream news and the various energy and emotional things that are flying around this planet. Just remember, we're always pushing forward. Behind it all is life expanding, moving out into the universe, and there's no denying it. It's all there. So, my Apple AirPod users. <laughs> Maybe it's time to switch brands. This is from techgoing.com. Here's the headline. New Apple AirPods patent can monitor the wearer's brain Waves and other biosignals. To put it very simply, people, there's electrodes in the little rubber part that you put on the AirPod, and they can read all the different frequencies of your brain. It's very, very strange. Here's the article. According to the latest list published by the United States Trademark and Patent Office, Apple has obtained an AirPods-related design patent which can monitor EEG, EMG, EOG, and other biological signals. Citing Apple's patent report, the AirPods housing and headphone end can be equipped with multiple active electrodes and reference electrodes, which can be configured to measure the biological signals and electrical activity of the wearer's brain. Apple will indicate that in order to monitor EEG brain activity more accurately, it needs to be customized for the wearer's ear shape so as to ensure that the sensor fits the wearer's ear canal better and the monitoring data is accurate. Apple also stated in the patent that AirPods can be used to monitor EMG, EOG, ECG, GSR, and BVP, and other biological <laughs> signals, all of the AirPods. Oh, my God. Wow. So there you go, people. It's only a matter of time, right? Before some, I mean, there you go. There you go. Apple's going to be monitoring your brainwave activity, sending it to Bluetooth to your phone, which then sends it back to one infinite loop. It's not what you think it is. That's actually Apple's address in California. It's one infinite loop. That's their street address. So that's where it goes, people. You ready for some new AirPods, Bryn? Don't get the Apple ones.
1: It says they have to be customized to the wear. So that that must for be now. for now, of course. I'm until,
0: sure it out. until the rubber part is self-
1: Yeah. So like a memory foam.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just gave Apple the solution.
1: Ah shit. I take that back. Never ah, mind. That
0: well, is- if they use that, <laughs> they better pay you ten million
1: or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well.
0: Okay. Well, here's another pivot. Our beautiful human family members in the country of India have achieved a milestone in their space program. IndianExpress.com, the Chandrayaan 3 landing highlights. The Pragyan rover roams on the moon. That's right. There are Indians on the moon. Here's the article. The Indian Space Research Organization yesterday released a new video of the Indian rover ramping down from the lander to the lunar surface. Since deployment, the rover has traversed eight meters on the lunar surface. The space agency added that both the science instruments on the rover are performing as intended. ISRO. The Indian space program scripted history as the Chandrayaan 3 spacecraft made a soft landing on the surface of the moon Wednesday evening. The Vikram lander made the soft landing at 6.04 p.m. With the mission's success, India became the first country to to land a spacecraft near the lunar South Pole and only the fourth country in history to complete a soft landing on the moon after the United States, the Soviet Union, and China. A day after landing, ISRO confirmed that all of the systems on the craft are normal and that all activities are happening on schedule. All right. My blessed Indian family, you're on the moon. And here's a positive AI story I thought was interesting. This is from ScienceDaily.com. How artificial intelligence gave a paralyzed woman her voice back. And here's the article. Researchers at UC San Francisco and UC Berkeley have developed a brain-computer interface that has enabled a woman with severe paralysis from a brainstem stroke to speak through a digital avatar. It is the first time that either speech or facial expressions have been synthesized from brain signals. The system can also decode these signals into text at nearly 80 words per minute. A vast improvement over commercially available technology. Wow, wow that's wild. <laughs> that's just how we are going to project ourselves into these AI metaverse type dimensions is that our brain signals will be fed into that reality and, and and it will be very much like a matrix except it'll be like a video game you're just going in you can come out hopefully <laughs> <laughs> so
1: she's thinking what she wants to say and it's like exactly. reading her brain waves exactly
0: Edward Chang, MD, Chair of Neurological Surgery at UCSF, who has worked on the technology known as a Brain Computer Interface, or BCI, for more than a decade, hopes this latest research breakthrough, appearing August 23, 2023, in Nature, will lead to an FDA-approved system that enables speech from brain signals in the near future. Here's a quote. Our goal is to restore a full embodied way of communicating, which is really the most natural way for us to talk with others, said Chang, who is a member of the UCSF Wheel Institute for Neuroscience and the Gene Robertson, Distinguished Professor in Psychiatry. Wow. These advancements bring us much closer to making this a real solution for patients. Wow. And one last thing, Chang's team previously demonstrated it was possible to decode brain signals into text in a man who had also experienced a brainstem stroke many years earlier. The current study demonstrates something more ambitious, decoding brain signals into the richness of speech along with the movements that animate a person's face during conversation. Oh my God, people. That's so weird. And then you have these people that are like paralyzed or they're in a situation like this and they can project into not just an avatar, but let's say a Android body, a real synthetic human body. Oh, oh, this is making my science fiction mind spin. (laughs) This is just all the possibilities. People Whoa, man! So
1: right now they're talking about on a screen, like Correct. an avatar, just on a screen, right?
0: Okay. But it's making the voice and it's making the facial movements like, you know, an animated person talking now. Right. As that technology develops, it's going to develop into, like I said, being able to project into, androids being able to project across. How about our solar system? Whoa! Yeah. The true, true avatar. Hey. Oh. oh. Like the movie is what we were talking about. Okay. (laughs) Here's the next article. Jake's getting excited. (laughs) Fizz.org. P-H-Y-S.org. Here's the headline. Remains found in China may belong to third human lineage. Interesting. We're just jumping around. We're going into different topics. This is earth, people. This is what we're experiencing. This is the now. Here's the article. A team of paleontologists at the Chinese Academy of Sciences, working with colleagues from the Xinjiang Tong University, the University of York, the University of Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the National Research Center on Human Evolution, has found evidence of a previously unknown human lineage. In their study, reported in Journal of Human Evolution, the group analyzed the fossilized jawbone partial skull and some leg bones of a homonym dated to 300,000 years ago. The fossils were excavated at a site in Hulongdong in what is now part of East China. They were subsequently subjected to both a morphological and a geometric assessment with the initial focus on the jawbone, which exhibited unique features, a triangular lower edge and a unique bend. Those unique bends. The researchers note that the combination of features have never been observed in hominids in East Asia, suggesting traits found in modern humans began to appear as far back as 300,000 years ago. In turning their attention to the skull, which a prior team had found to be the first ever middle pliostine human skull found in southeastern China, The new team found that the bones in its face were more similar to those in modern humans than was the case for the jawbone. In an effort to determine a species for the remains, the team ruled out Denisovan. That left them with the likelihood that the fossils represent a third lineage, one that is not Denisovan or Homo erectus and is closer to Homo sapiens. And if this is the case, the species would likely have shared some Evolutionary relationships with the homonyms of the middle or late Pleistocene, resulting in shared characteristics. Okay, more human fossils that challenge what we know. Wow, <laughs> it's almost like we're constantly in a state of flux and learning. People, right?
1: It's almost like it's just going to keep changing. It's just going to keep. Always changing. remember that, right? When they're like, "This is how it is. This is how it is," until it's not the next thing, right? Yeah.
0: Okay, this next one's from yahoo.com. It's actually an article from CNN, but part of Yahoo News. Here is the headline. Eight billion year old radio signal reaches Earth. And here's the article. Astronomers have detected a mysterious blast of radio waves that have taken eight billion years to reach Earth. The fast radio burst is one of the most distant and energetic ever observed. Fast radio bursts or FRBs are intense millisecond-long bursts of radio waves with unknown origins. The first FRB was discovered in 2007 and since then hundreds of these quick cosmic flashes have been detected coming from distant points across the universe. The burst named FRB 200206 10A, very creative name, these people, lasted less than a millisecond. But in that fraction of a moment, it released the equivalent of our sun's energetic emissions over the course of 30 years, according to a study published Thursday in the journal Science. That's an interesting metric. Scientists believe that fast radio bursts may be a unique method that can be used to weigh the universe by measuring the matter between galaxies that remains unaccounted for. So, wow, We're getting these fast radio bursts—we got another one from eight billion years ago, people in human time. So this is a pivot because it's just that type of episode. This is from CNN.com, German. And here's the headline. German museum employee swaps painting for fake and sells original to fund luxury lifestyle. Oh, my God. A German museum employee swapped out a painting with a fake and then sold the original to buy luxury goods, including a Rolls Royce and expensive wristwatches, according to a Munich court. The 30-year-old man, who remains unnamed due to Germany's strict privacy laws, was also convicted of stealing three other artworks. He avoided jail, but was handed a 21-month suspended sentence and ordered to pay back the museum more than €60,000. Well, he obviously made more than that. In a press release published Monday, Munich District Court said its sentencing took into account that the man had confessed and shown genuine remorse. He said he acted without thinking, read the court <laughs> ruling. He can <laughs> no longer explain his behavior today. Who bought the paintings? That's what I want to know. The man, who was an employee of the Deutsch Museum in Munich, worked in collection management from May 2016 to April 2018. During that time, he stole Das Märchen vom Frogsteinking. I, I didn't pronounce that correctly, but it was the tale of the frog prince. very famous painting. Bran, you know this one, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. I love that story. Stolen,
0: actually. stolen, wow. stolen. Fake. stolen, faked. Like somebody made the fake. He found a fake, he flipped it, nobody noticed.
1: Wow. You know, maybe he's uh, cousins to that mannequin guy. Wow.
0: Well, well whew, these criminals, man, they're getting crafted. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they always have been. So this next one's from cleanenergyrevolution.co. I thought this was so interesting. Here's the headline. Rare Earth Mineral Deposit Causes Swedish City to Relocate. (laughs) Okay. Here's the article. A recent discovery has resulted in the relocation of the entire Swedish city of Karuna with one building at a time being moved. Situated in Sweden's Lapland region, Karuna is a charming town with a population of slightly over 17,000. It's famous for its gigantic iron ore mine, which includes an underground visitor center. Karuna's iron ore mine, managed by the state-owned company LAB Lab, accounts for a staggering 80% of the European Union's supply. Karuna has recently come across valuable minerals, including the largest known deposit of rare earth elements in Europe. These particular elements are essential for the production of electric car batteries and wind turbines, making them incredibly valuable resources for eco-friendly technologies. Iba Bush, Sweden's deputy prime minister proudly refers to Karuna as a gold mine and encourages Europe to take note. She wants Sweden to help reduce the world's dependence on Russian minerals, which have experienced a significant price surge recently. Karuna's success in iron ore mining makes it well-positioned to profit from the rare earth mineral deposit, and relocating the town will make it even easier for this deposit to be exploited, it says. Oh, my God. The relocation project seeks to move Karuna approximately 1.9 miles to the east of its original location. What, right next to the mine? Government officials expect that this relocation project will be completed by 2026. The relocation project will preserve historic landmarks such as the local church, which was built in 1912. Wow, that's so weird. So they're moving the town, but guess what, people? Now your town's right next to a big lithium mine, and God knows what else, and all that smoke and everything else. Oh, wow. I hope you're happy. My Swedish listeners, tell me about this. What do you think? Do you live there?
1: That's interesting. That's a lot of effort for one mile over. You think they might as well like go five miles? What if they decide that I know. Like, a mile out, they're still, there's still more? Yeah, Interesting.
0: Very interesting decision making. I don't know. You aren't you Swedish, Brent? You have some Swedish.
1: I'm, yeah, have qu- quite a bit of Swedish. Do you have any
0: relatives in call and ask Uh, them?
1: you know, they live in the south of Sweden. <laughs> Lapland is way <laughs> up in the north. Is that true? That's very true. Oh, uh, Lapland ah, is I didn't also. Even know. Yeah, there's um, the the Sami live or the Sami I don't uh live up in Lapland. So
0: uh, Sami, yes, who are
1: who are one of the the uh, original like indigenous tribal communities in Sweden.
0: So more technological developments. We're just kind of jumping around a little bit on this episode. This is from spectrum.iee.org. It's an engineering website for engineers, electrical engineers and such headline. IBM debuts brain inspired chip for speedy, efficient AI. North Pole, as it's called, is the top. (laughs) It sets its maker. Here's the article. A brain-inspired chip from IBM dubbed North Pole is more than 20 times as fast as and roughly 20 times as energy efficient as any microchip currently on the market when it comes to artificial intelligence tasks, according to a study from IBM. Applications for the new silicon chip may include autonomous vehicles and robotics. Brain-inspired computer hardware aims to mimic a human brain's exceptional ability to rapidly perform computations in an extraordinarily energy-efficient manner. These machines are often used to implement neural networks, which similarly imitate the way a brain learns and operates. Oh, my God. One strategy often pursued with brain-inspired electronics is copying the way in which biological neurons both compute and store data. Uniting processors and memory can dramatically reduce the energy and time that computers lose in shuttling data between those components. That's so interesting to think about that. Compute and store data, so it's like your memory And your processor, uniting processors and memory. Like, what? That's what we do. Like, we're processing reality. We're uniting it with our memory to help us understand what's happening. And here's a quote. The brain is vastly more energy efficient than modern computers, in part because it stores memory with compute in every neuron, says study lead author Dharmendra Moda, IBM's chief scientist for brain-inspired computing. North Pole merges the boundaries between brain-inspired computing and silicon-optimized computing between compute and memory between hardware and software. This is going to be wild, people. The future's so strange. You don't even know what's coming. Oh, well, let's get some more on AI. Here's from ZDNet.com. Here's the headline. AI at the edge. Fast times ahead for 5G and the Internet of Things. Here's the article. Connected devices linked to the Internet of Things in association with 5G technology are now everywhere. But just wait until next generation applications such as artificial intelligence start running within these edge devices. Meanwhile, the low latency and higher data speeds of 5G and Internet of Things will add a new real-time dimension to AI. Consider an extended reality headset that not only provides a 3D view of the inside of an aircraft engine, but which also has an onboard intelligence to point you to problem areas or to information on anomalies in the engine, which are immediately and automatically recognized and adjusted. Wow. Chip makers are already developing powerful yet energy efficient processors or systems on a chip that can deliver AI processing within a small footprint device. For instance, Qualcomm just announced AI-capable Snapdragon chips that run on smartphones and PCs. Also on the horizon are a generation of new RAM chips, newer RAM, like Neuron, developed at the University of California, San Diego, which are capable of running sizable AI algorithms on smaller devices. Oh, my God. The AI is going to be embedded in the chip. The Snapdragon chips are what's in all Android phones for the most part. Oh, my God.
1: So you're going to have a self-aware phone eventually? Well, it's just going
0: to all – exactly. Look, the phone is just the genesis of your companion Android. Like that's – All this is, this is just the starting point for you to be assigned a little robot at birth that's going to follow you and develop with you your entire life. This is just normalizing this in the human consciousness as we evolve. Will it be good? Will it be bad? Our companion Android robot that has answers to every question can help us in various other things and can also make phone calls and Bluetooth? (laughs) I don't know, but that's what it seems like.
1: Yeah, wild. Very wild. Wild.
0: Next article. And this shows some of how AI affects human consciousness. scientificamerican.com. Headline: Humans absorb bias from AI and keep it after they stop using the algorithm. And here's the article. Artificial intelligence programs, like the humans who develop and train them, are far from perfect. Whether it's machine learning software that analyzes medical images or a generative chatbot such as ChatGPT that holds a seemingly organic conversation, algorithm based technology can make errors and even hallucinate or provide inaccurate information. Perhaps more insidiously, AI can also display biases that get introduced through the massive data troves that these programs are trained on and that are indetectable to many users. Now, new research suggests that human users may unconsciously absorb these automated biases. Well, I mean, they're going to absorb any biases. They're not thinking what's going into their conscious mind.
1: Yeah. Don't stop thinking.
0: In order to minimize the impacts of AI bias, everyone quote needs to have a lot more knowledge of how these AI systems work. Otherwise, We may run the risk of letting algorithmic black boxes propel us into a self-defeating cycle in which AI leads to more biased humans who in turn create increasingly biased algorithms, says Helena Matute, an experimental psychologist at the University of Dusto in Spain. I'm very worried, she says, that we are starting a loop which will be very difficult to get out of. Well, that's interesting thoughts. So let's just pivot into the world of aliens. huh? It's always fun. Okay. Actress from the eighties, Goldie Hawn. Do you remember her? Anyone out there? If that's your age group,
1: my parents love Goldie Hawn.
0: Exactly. She's really funny, talented lady. So this is from people.com. And here is the headline. Goldie Hawn says she had an encounter with aliens who, quote, touched my face, felt like the finger of God. (laughs) Here's the article. Goldie Hawn is detailing an encounter she had with an otherworldly being. The actress, who is 77, appeared on the latest episode of Apple Fitness's Time to Walk, on which she discussed her fascination with aliens. Han said she had an encounter when she was about 20 and at the time there had been a lot of UFO sightings and stories circulating. She said she had been dancing in an area located near the desert in West California and opted to sleep in one of her fellow dancers cars when it happened. Quote, I got this high pitched sound in my ear. It was this high, high frequency and I looked out the window and I saw these two or three triangular-shaped heads, Han said, describing the aliens as silver in color with a slash for a mouth and tiny little nose and no ears. They were pointing at me, pointing at me in the car as if they were discussing me like I was a subject, and they were droning, she continued. I could not move. I was paralyzed. I didn't know if it was real or not real. The Oscar-winner, said she eventually was able to burst out of the situation like bursting out of a force field. She explained that it wasn't until years later that she finally recalled tidbits of what had transpired when she visited an astrophysicist who had been researching outer space and alien encounters at the University of Champaign, Illinois. He asked her questions about her encounter, which triggered a memory for her. It was kind of like regression therapy or something i am like almost in a trance and suddenly i remember something han explained they touched my face they touched my face and it felt like the finger of god she added it was the most benevolent loving feeling this was powerful it was filled with lights han said another instance happened while she was in Avebury in london she said she dreamed of six lights coming up on some little mountains up across the valley. And then she and her friend drove down to a place in Avebury, similar to her dream, where a crop circle had sprung up in the shape of a heart. Wow. Han admitted she'll never know whether it was a sign. I don't want to know everything, Han said. We cut ourselves off from a lot of things if we're continuing to deny something that we have no proof over. There's a lot of things in this world that we can't see but we can't stop believing she added we can never ever lose our wonder it's just no fun it's really an important aspect of being an adventurer where nothing is impossible exactly goldie sweetheart wow goldie hon huh? interestingly kurt russell her husband was the person that reported the phoenix lights which were a aerial UFO phenomenon with many, many people saw, but was first reported by an airplane pilot who was up in the sky in Arizona at that time. Happened to be Kurt Russell. Maybe they were trying to get a hold of Goldie and he didn't even know. <laughs> Maybe so. Okay. So, yes, since the last Beyond the News episode, there was a little public. UFO thing happening with the Peruvian bodies, these thousand year old alien bodies that were presented at the Mexican Congress. And it caused quite a stir, but people, if you're into UFO information, ufology, all of those things, you would have seen those photos years ago and already had instantly debunked them. Like I did. I had already seen those fake photos it was all fake but we're still going to report on it so here we go dailymail.co.uk headline alien bodies with three fingered hands unknown dna and eggs inside are presented by ufo experts at mexican congress with the non-humans found in peru said to be one thousand years old here's the article jamie musan who has led investigations into alien phenomenon for decades, stood with scientists to unveil two corpses in what he called a watershed event in front of Mexican Congress. The researchers made the extraordinary claim that the corpses presented in windowed boxes and supposedly recovered from Cusco in Peru were not part of our terrestrial evolution with 30% of their genetic composition still unknown according to the Mexican media. Carbon dating by the National Autonomous University of Mexico found the bodies, pictured with three-fingered hands, no teeth, and stereoscopic vision were more than 1,000 years old, Mossen claimed. The bizarre presentation has triggered a frenzy of excitement among conspiracy theorists online, but has also drawn skepticism. Unusually for fossils that have been subjected to analysis, the specimens were coated in what appeared to be sand, but Musan, who has been associated with debunked alien theories in the past insisted under oath on Tuesday. These specimens are not part of our terrestrial evolution. These aren't beings that were found after a UFO wreckage. They were found in diatom mines and later fossilized. See, This guy's a fraud. This isn't even real. Like, come on people. He later added, whether they are aliens or not, we don't know, but they were intelligent and they lived with us. They should rewrite history. Yeah. It looks like a sculpture. Like, come on. They're really, I don't know people. So yeah. Anyways, it was already debunked. So just in case you didn't know. So this is kind of cool for our Japanese listeners. This is from jref.com. Headline, Japan, a hotspot for UFOs. Here's the article. According to a Pentagon website, Japan is one of three prominent locations for unexplained aerial sightings in the world, with Linomaki in Fukushima, known as UFO Town. Since 2020, the Japanese military has been instructed to record sightings of unidentified objects in the sky. Although the Japanese government says its pilots have never encountered UFOs, the country's self-defense force was concerned about three videos released by the U.S. Department of Defense that showed unexplained objects moving across the sky. Japan is now considered one of the top UFO hotspots in the world. Wow, that's really interesting. Now, here's something we can revisit. Back in the 70s, there is a broadcast disruption by someone claiming to be an extraterrestrial, bringing us a message, bringing Earth, humanity, a message. In this article, they're talking about that broadcast. So this is Jerusalem Post, jpost.com headline. The six-minute mystery of the alien TV broadcast remains unsolved. Here's the article. It has been 46 years since the chilling message sent shockwaves through Britain. During a live television broadcast on Saturday, November 26, 1977, Southern TV's 5 o'clock news suddenly featured the disappearance of broadcaster Andrew Gardner and a peculiar beeping sound. Subsequently, a mysterious voice proclaimed, This is the voice of Rylan a representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command speaking to you. For many years, you have seen us as lights in the skies. We speak to you now in peace and wisdom as we have done to your brothers and sisters all over this, your planet earth. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world so that you may communicate to your fellow beings, the course you must take to avoid the disaster, which threatens your world and the beings on our worlds around you. So, wow. Brynn? Yes? Do you want to listen to that message? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's hear, hear it. it. If you've are never I heard hear it, it before, it? let's just hear it now.
1: That's so interesting.
0: Okay, here we go. Let's try this.
2: The Rhodesian nationalist leader, Bishop Abel Muzorewa has accepted Mr. Smith's offer to negotiate an internal settlement based on one man, one vote. But he says there are conditions these include stopping the execution of all captured prisoners of war, allowing guerrilla to take part in negotiations, and of being arrested. In Australia, Mr. Kerry Packer's cricketers are still pleased about yesterday's High Court decision, which lifts the ban on the playing test matches. This is the voice of Allah, representative the U- of the Ashton Galactic speaking to you. For many years you have seen us as knights and asteroids. We speak to you now, you say the same as we have done to your brothers and sisters all over this, your planet earth. We come to warn you of the destiny of your race and your world so that you may communicate to your fellow beings the course you must take to avoid the disaster that threatens your world and the beings will all the worlds around you. This is an order that you share and a great awakening as the planet passes into the new age of Aquarius. The new age can be a time of great peace and evolution, your race, But only your rulers are made of you, forces that cannot their dreams. You still, know. And rest, or your chance may not come again. All your weapons of evil must be removed. The time for conflict is now past, and the race of which you are a part may proceed to the higher stages of its evolution, if you show yourselves worthy to do this. You have but a short time to learn to live together in peace and goodwill. Small groups all over the planet are learning this, and exist to pass on the light of the dawning new age to you all. You are free to accept the kitchen kitchen power of the universe. Many goes, why does this... Then they run out. Here now, the voice of Rilan, representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command, speaking to you. Be aware also that there are many false habits and guides of prison operating on your world. They will suck your energy from you, the energy you call money, and will put into evil ends, giving you worthless costs in return. But your divine self to protect you from this, you must learn to be sensitive to the voice within you that can tell you what is true and what is true. Learn to listen to It's such it? really a thing. really appreciate it. that we can't get anything I insist. The so the little only really choice ingredients.
1: Yeah, I can... I'm just
2: admit. Cats have nine lives? Have no fears.
0: Whoa! that really happened that was like you're watching tv 1977 and that transmission like disrupted the audio and the video and that's what you heard oh my god
1: that's really crazy
0: what's even crazier is the aliens somehow had a british accent <laughs> i was like how did that like wow like they really went for authenticity
1: yeah they're like what will make them listen to us
0: which one of you can speak with a british accent I am brilliant, brilliant. Yes, I I have a British accent.
1: They just put it through a translator
0: app. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So really interesting. So that really happened. This article is saying they don't know yet what happened. Still, it's an unsolved mystery. The immediate assumption, the article says, was that it was a prankster hijacking the regional television broadcast. A spokesperson for Southern Television commented at the time, stating, An unidentified party disrupted our broadcast in the North Hampshire area by transmitting very closely to it. Nevertheless, it remains the possibility that the Rylons, if they exist, observe our actions and await this dismantling of nuclear weaponry before accepting us into the intergalactic community. Prior to the broadcast, individuals claimed for years that they served as conduits for communications with an alien entity known as Ashtar. One of the earliest claims came from George von Tessel, an American pilot and aircraft technician who asserted that he was taken on a journey aboard a spaceship by aliens from Venus in 1953. Wow. Trippy. So all these years later, we still don't know. And now that message is encoded into midnight on earth, but not everyone thinks aliens are real or really it's just still open for debate, including Elon Musk. This is from BusinessInsider.com. Here is the headline. Elon Musk isn't convinced there are aliens out there. Quote, we're the aliens. And here's the article. Elon Musk says he hasn't seen any signs of aliens during his explorations of outer space. The space X CEO spoke at the 74th international astronautical Congress, where he was rewarded the world space award during his interview. Musk went on a tangent about his theory on aliens Quote, people often ask me if I'm seeing any evidence of aliens, and I unfortunately have seen no evidence of aliens yet, Musk said. We are the aliens, he joked. The topic of discussion was Musk's Starship Mega Rocket, which makes the SpaceX's Falcon 1 look like a child's toy, Musk said. But the tech billionaire made sure to also mention his thoughts on extraterrestrial life. He said his observations suggest that humanity is all that exists in a vast darkness. In other words, that we're all alone. Musk once talked about aliens with Twitter employees in June 2022 before he purchased the company. In the talk, he said he hadn't seen actual evidence for aliens. Still, Musk has joked about the existence of life outside of Earth And has even suggested he may be an alien walking among us. If an alien paid this planet a visit, he's also said he'd be the first one to know. Wow.
1: (laughs) It's going to keep everybody guessing.
0: Well, BBC has something else to say. BBC.com headline, alien life in universe. Scientists say finding it is only a matter of time. And here's the article. Many astronomers are no longer asking whether there is life elsewhere in the universe. The question on their minds is instead, when will we find it? Many are optimistic of detecting life signs on a far away world within our lifetimes, possibly in the next few years. And one scientist leading a mission to Jupiter goes as far as saying it would be surprising if there was no life on one of the planet's icy moons, NASA's James Webb Space Telescope recently detected tantalizing hints at life on a planet outside our solar system, and it has many more worlds in its sights. Numerous missions that are either underway or about to begin mark a new space race for the biggest scientific discovery of all time. Quote, we live in an infinite universe with infinite stars and planets, and it's been obvious to many of us that we can't be the only intelligent life out there, says Professor Catherine Haymans, Scotland's astronomer royale. We now have the technology and the capability to answer the question of whether we are alone in the cosmos, she says. Telescopes can now analyze the atmospheres of planets orbiting distant stars, looking for chemicals that, on Earth at least, can be produced only by living organisms. The first flicker of such a discovery came earlier this month. The possible sign of a gas that, on Earth, is produced by simple marine organisms was detected in the atmosphere of a planet named K2-18b, which is 120 light years away which we did report on at the time. The planet is in what astronomers call the Goldilocks zone, the right distance away from its star for the surface temperature to be neither too hot nor too cold, just like the Goldilocks story, but just right for there to be liquid water, which is essential to support life. The team expects to know in a year's time, whether the tantalizing hints are confirmed or have gone away. Professor Niku Madahustan of the Institute of Astronomy at Cambridge University, who led the study, said that if the hints are confirmed, it would radically change the way we think about the search for life. If we find signs of life on the very first planet we study, it will raise the possibility that life is common in the universe. He predicts that within five years, there will be a major transformation in our understanding of life in the universe. I mean, I keep hearing three years, five years... Either way, it's close. Aliens, Goldie Hawn, Elon Musk, everybody's saying it's coming. Wow. Ashtar. AI. The Ashtar Command told us in the 70s. And I know a lot of people, let me tell you people, I know a lot of people that say that that transmission was valid. It was real. A lot of my Starseed friends and my channel are friends. You know, they, they think that was very real.
1: Even if it wasn't, it still seems to be transmitting information that a lot of people talking about a lot of people that you interview talk about so it seems to be
0: um interesting to say the least yeah interesting at the very least especially since it was broadcast in the 70s it disrupted uh people's news time so let's pivot into the world of psychedelics uh, you know lots going on over there a lot of changes the crimson.com here is the headline Harvard announces study of psychedelics in society and culture following $16 million donation. Here's the article. Harvard will be launching a new interdisciplinary program focusing on psychedelic drugs the university announced last week, known as the. Leary program. No, I'm just kidding. As if they would do that right after they kicked him out funded by a $16 million donation from the gracious family foundation. The study of psychedelics in society and culture will fund cutting edge scholarship and research support along with endowing a professorship in the field, according to the Harvard Gazette, a university run publication. So Timothy Leary must be rolling over in his grave because in 2023 or at least by 2025, you can get a degree. You can be a professor of psychedelic medicine, <laughs> but he got kicked he's, out. He's been for ro- that. He's
1: rolled over like three times he's, already. That guy's <laughs> doing cartwheels in his grave
0: and he's laughing at the same time because now Harvard has a degree for psychedelic studies. Oh my wow, God. What are the odds? You know, programs, through the study will be offered across the Faculty of Arts and Scientists, Harvard Divinity School, and Harvard Law School with a focus on interdisciplinary research. Michael K. Pollan, a lecturer in the English department who has researched psychedelics, said the broad nature of the research is core to the Gracias Foundation's mission for the gift. Quote, the donor is very eager for this gift to be truly interdisciplinary, Pollan said.
1: Oh, I'm sure Michael Pollan's stoked about that. That's probably something he's been really working for.
0: You know that guy, huh? It should facilitate conversation between different parts of the university. We're exploring different ways to do that. Wow. Well, somebody's excited.
1: The Botany of Desire. That's one. That he wrote? Yeah. And then another one that he wrote specifically on psychedelics. I'm forgetting the title, but he...
0: Are you sure it's the same guy?
1: Michael Pollan. Yeah. Michael Pollan, he's been, he's a, he used but to But this work- is
0: Michael K. Pollan. Other projects will include boot camps on law, ethics, and policy training for future leaders in the psychedelic space. Wow. Wow.
1: Michael K. Pollan.
0: Okay, it's the same guy.
1: Yeah, Harvard.
0: Got it. Okay, people, well, the future is now.
1: This one, he wrote, yeah, he wrote all these books. Oh, This Is Your Mind on Plants. And uh, he, it's a book he wrote. He took mushrooms and different cactus and uh, all kinds of plants, and then he wrote about his experiences on
0: them. Cool. Well, I mean, accessibility is expanding. This is from the NewYorkTimes.com. Headline, a new era of psychedelics in Oregon. The state has pioneered a therapeutic market for psychedelic mushrooms. Researchers are watching with a mix of excitement and unease, it says. Here's the article. Stigmatized in law and medicine for the past half century, psychedelics are in the midst of a sudden revival, with a growing body of research suggesting that the mind-altering compounds could upend psychiatric care. Governments in several places have consciously started to open access And as Oregon voters approved a broad drug decriminalization plan in 2020, they also backed an initiative to allow the use of mushrooms as therapy. This summer, the state debuted a first of its kind legal market for psilocybin mushrooms, more widely known as magic mushrooms. Far from the days of illicit consumption in basements and vans, the program allows people to embark on a therapeutic trip purchasing mushrooms produced by a state-approved grower and consuming them in a licensed facility under the guidance of a certified facilitator. Yes, we've been reporting on that quite a bit. For those who have long worked on psychedelics research, the sudden expansion in access in Oregon and also Colorado, along with cities like Detroit, Minneapolis, and Washington, D.C., have prompted a mix of elation and trepidation. Oregon has settled on a middle-of-the-road approach, requiring neither a doctor's supervision nor a specific medical diagnosis, but providing for strict oversight of supply and use. Interesting. Yeah, the trip centers. While some form of legalized marijuana is authorized in all but 12 states, creating a huge multi-billion dollar industry. The psilocybin market remains small with an uncertain financial outlook for those entering it. Only five businesses are approved to manufacture the therapeutic use fungi in Oregon with 13 sites approved to host dosing sessions. Bend is home to two of them. One offers a treatment experience that costs as much as $15,000 including several days spent getting to know the facilitator and the townhome-like space where the treatment takes place. Mr. Beck, who lives in Bend, connected with another organization known as Bendable, a nonprofit that helps coordinate treatment and asks clients to pay what they can afford. A single session costs about $3,000, which includes a preparatory meeting a guided session with the mushrooms that lasts several hours, and a follow up appointment a few days later, in which the client discusses lessons from the session and how to integrate them into their own therapy. Amanda Gow, the executive director of Bendable, said she opens her email each day to messages from all over the country. Wow. So it's already happening.
1: It is. That price point is. Interesting. Not I legit. wonder how many people are going to go for that versus just especially mm. if mushrooms are decriminalized. That means they're much more available 20 bucks. Like people are going to be like, "I'm going to have my own like, therapy session with yeah, my friends with around my the friends. campfire, not pay 15,000 for this guided thing." Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It made it made me think of um your last guest with the uh man bun shaman thing. <laughs> just like it's kind of weird
0: well here's a follow-up article to this this is from abcnews.go.com this is about another one of those centers here is the headline oregon launches legal psilocybin access amid high demand and hopes for improved mental health care so this is talking about a facility in eugene oregon here's the article Psilocybin tea wind chimes and a tie-dyed mattress await those coming to an office suite in Eugene to trip on psychedelic mushrooms. For roughly six hours, adults over 21 can experience what many users describe as vivid geometric shapes, a loss of identity, and a oneness with the universe. Epic healing, Eugene. America's first licensed psilocybin service center opened in June, marking Oregon's unprecedented step in offering the mind-bending drug to the public. The center now has a wait list of more than 3000 names, including people with depression, PTSD or end of life dread. No prescription or referral is needed, but proponents hope Oregon's legalization will spark a revolution in mental health care. While psilocybin remains illegal in most of the United States, the FDA in 2018 designated it a breakthrough therapy. This summer, the FDA published draft guidance for researchers designing clinical trials for psychedelic drugs. Researchers believe psilocybin changes the way the brain organizes itself, helping a user adopt new attitudes and overcome mental health issues. Wow, 3,000 people waiting. Wow. Okay. Well, it's, it's just bleeding over into the mainstream world. Listen to this one. This is going to make you laugh. Golfdigest.com. Yes. Golfdigest.com. How? Why you ask? Here's the headline. Why serious players, golf players, that is, are dosing psychedelics like mushrooms and ayahuasca.
1: Cause that's going to be the most um, exciting (laughs) golf tournament they've ever played.
0: Exactly. And here's the article. DJ Trahan is weeping through the phone, overcome with so much joy that the tears are pouring out, and he doesn't resist. The two-time PGA Tour winner, once known as a golfer who could run hot, has never been more at peace. Golf no longer defines who he is. A refrain among pros who have gone through every up and down and have decided to accept the fact that the party is winding down. Trahan, 42, credits plant medicine for his improved mental health, especially ayahuasca. This is normally the point when conventional people tune out and assume he's crazy, but they're all taking it, is what this article says. Okay, golfers. Golfers on psychedelics. What do we got next? Oh, oh, my California listeners. I'm so sorry. This is from Forbes.com. I don't like Gavin Newsom. I don't do politics, but that guy looks like... If you remember those commercials from the 90s, it was like those those plastic people, those like Energizer battery people, and it was weird and wild, and even the band Primus kind of did a video with that same technology where they were dressed in these rubber kind of weird fake human suits.
1: Like Lego That's what people? he reminds
0: me of. Yeah, Lego, but also like plasticky doll at the same time. Okay. So this is from Forbes.com. F Gavin Newsom, because here's the headline. California governor vetoes psychedelics legalization bill. Yes, he vetoed it, people. Here's the article. California governor Gavin Newsom last week vetoed a bill that would have legalized the personal possession and use of some psychedelics, including magic mushrooms. Newsom vetoed the bill on Saturday and called for legislation establishing regulations for the use of psychedelic drugs. Quote, California should immediately begin to work to set up regulated treatment guidelines replete with dosing information, therapeutic guidelines, rules to prevent against exploitation during guided treatments and medical clearance of No underlying psychoses, Newsom wrote in his veto message for the measure. Unfortunately, this bill would decriminalize possession prior to those guidelines going into place, and I cannot sign that, he said. Well, that's what we did in Oregon. We did that in Oregon. So the legislation, Senate Bill 58, was introduced by San Francisco Democratic Senator Scott Wiener in December 2022. After receiving approval from the California Senate in May, the bill was approved by the California State Assembly with amendments on September 6th. The Senate passed the amended version the following day. If it had been approved by Newsom, the legislation would have legalized the personal possession, cultivation, and use of the natural psychedelics DMT, mescaline, except for peyote, and psilocybin and psilocin, the primary psychoactive ingredients in magic mushrooms by adults age 21 and older. The bill did not include provisions allowing for sales of psychedelics. However, Oh my God. And of course he shut it down. They can't legalize DMT in that way. Yet advocates for, Ending the war on drugs had hoped that the legislation would be signed by Newsom, who as lieutenant governor was a staunch supporter of Prompt 64, the 2016 ballot measure that legalized marijuana in California. The bill was also supported by veterans groups eager to ease restrictions on psychedelic drugs, which have shown the potential to be an effective treatment for several serious mental health conditions. But Gavin Newsom said no. So there you go, people. Time for a new governor in California, huh? So just a handful of articles left, people. You know, we go into the funny realm eventually. But just a few more articles. Let's touch on quantum computing for a minute, huh? This is from, because you don't really hear that stuff in the mainstream at all. Nobody ever talks about quantum computing milestones, let talk about murder and then the other terrible things that are happening on the planet. This is from anl.gov. And I don't care what mainstream media source. It's going to be anywhere in the world. I have listeners all over the world. They all tell me the same thing. It's all garbage. Here's the headline. Major milestone achieved in new quantum computing architecture. We talk about this stuff occasionally. And we want to keep you guys up to date on that. And here's the article. A team led by the U.S. Department of Energy's Argonne National Laboratory has achieved a major milestone toward future quantum computing. They have extended the coherence time for their novel type of qubit to an impressive 0.1 milliseconds, nearly a thousand times better than the previous record. In everyday life, 0.1 milliseconds is as fleeting as the blink of an eye. However, in the quantum world, it represents a long enough window for a qubit to perform many thousands of operations. Unlike classical bits, computing bits, qubits seemingly can exist in both states 0 and 1. For any working qubit, maintaining this mixed state for a sufficiently long coherence time is imperative. The challenge is to safeguard the quibbit against the constant barrage of disruptive noise from the surrounding environment. The team's quibbits encode quantum information in the electron's motional states. Because of that, they are called charge quibbits. Quote, among various existing qubits, electron charge qubits are especially attractive because of their simplicity in fabrication and operation, as well as compatibility with existing infrastructures for classical computers, says Dafei Jin, a professor at the University of Notre Dame with a joint appointment at Argonne and the lead investigator of the project. This simplicity should translate into low-cost in building and running large-scale quantum computers. Though they have made this incredible achievement, the team has not yet fully optimized their electron quibbits and will continue to work on extending the coherence time even further as well as entangling two or more (laughs) quibbits. The research was published in Nature Physics. I'm telling you, people, there's so much going on. I'm trying to show you what's on the cusp of the human experience. You're not hearing this in the tabloid news. Here's something else you're probably not hearing in the tabloid news. Rawstory.com headline, Swedish criminal gangs laundering money through Spotify. Oh my God. (laughs) And here's the article. Criminal gangs behind a surge of bombings and shootings in Sweden in recent years are using fake Spotify streams to launder money, a Swedish newspaper reported Tuesday. Criminal networks have for several years been using money from drug deals, robberies, fraud, and contract killings to pay for false Spotify streams of songs published by artists with ties to the gangs, an investigative report in Svenska Dogblitz claimed. They then get paid by the platform for the high number of streams, thereby laundering the money. The newspaper said its information had been confirmed by four gang members from separate criminal networks in Stockholm, as well as an anonymous police investigator. Quote, I can say with 100% certainty that this goes on. I have been involved in it myself. SVD, a anonymous gang member, was quoted as saying, He said his gang began using the music streaming giant Spotify for money laundering in 2019 around the time Swedish gangster rap became popular in the country and started winning music awards. Swedish gangster rap.
1: I've actually never heard of that before. Have you? No. Okay.
0: Describing the process, he said the gangs would convert their dirty cash to Bitcoin, then use the cryptocurrency to pay people who sold fake streams on Spotify, which is a Swedish company. They made sure we ended up at the top of the charts, he said, adding that the fake streams also led to an uptick in real streams. Higher streams led to higher payouts from Spotify. The newspaper said that in Sweden, a million streams pays about... 40 to 60,000 kroner, which is about 3 to 5,000 American dollars. The anonymous investigative police officer told Svenska Dagbladet, "He contacted Spotify in 2021 to discuss the matter, but the company never returned his call. Spotify has become a bank machine for the gangs. There's a direct link to the gangs and the deadly violence," he told the paper. Wow.
1: That is news. But to
0: how me. much money would it cost to generate five thousand dollars? That's what I want to know. You'd have to get like millions of streams. Or
1: what do they mean by fake streams? I guess I'm not quite like clear on bots, what that means. Like
0: bots, like computer bots are using Spotify accounts to fake listen. They're either oh, like repeating yeah, okay. the song over and over or some way to generate. And then listens. Spotify's paying. And then Spotify's paying them. Interesting. Okay. Oh yeah, these
1: criminals, It's uh, they're, you know, trying new things.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, we've just got a couple more articles for this installment of Beyond the News. And we always like to end the episode with weird, well, they're, <laughs> what am I talking about? They're all weird, with funnier articles and some of the bleak, strange, and odd things we reported on this time. So this is from fortune.com. Here is the headline. And I love this. I kind of love this artist. But here's the headline. Artist ordered to pay museum back $77,000 after submitting two blank canvases under the title Take the Money and Run. I love that. That's what he titled The Artwork. And here's the article. An artist has lost his lengthy battle with a Danish museum after submitting two blank canvases and taking off with the loan cash that was meant to be displayed inside the artworks. Danish artist Jens Hanning was ordered by a Copenhagen court to pay the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art 500,000 Danish kroner around 76,000 after his audacious stunt set off a nearly two-year legal fight, media outlets, including the BBC and NBR reported. The pieces were based on two artworks Hanning originally debuted in 2007 and ten called an average Austrian annual income and an average Danish annual income, respectively, which were a comment on the salary of the average Danish and Austrian workers and contained banknotes totaling those sums. The museum in Aalborg had commissioned Honig to recreate those artworks for its exhibit, Work It Out, which asked visitors to question what they wanted from their careers and were meant to have held a combined 534,000 kroner in cash for a 2021 exhibition. Honig had taken out a bank loan to create his original pieces, but on this occasion, the museum offered to lend him the full amount of the 534,000 kroner. But instead of receiving a recreation of the original works, the museum opened the artwork to find two blank canvases with a new collective name, take the money and run. But there was a contract and in the contract, the money was supposed to have been returned, but he took the money. While the Copenhagen court eventually sided with the museum, it did subtract Hanning's fee and the mounting costs from the sum. Still the decision leaves the artist in a heap of debt. Okay. So there you go. One more article people. He took the money and ran, but he didn't get that far because he signed a contract. It's not like he got fronted cash for some unknown artwork or some pre-created piece of artwork, like a prepayment. And then that's what he turned in. This was something completely different. So I think, I think he's in the wrong there. Yeah, he forgot that minor detail. And one last article. Come on, this is funny. One last one. If we wrap up this week. This is from Unilad.com. Here's the headline: Imposter does catwalk in trash bag at New York Fashion Week, and no one notices until security intervene. You gotta love that one. They thought it was real. And here's the article. New York Fashion Week is now well underway, but one outfit in particular has caught everyone's attention, though maybe not for the right reasons. The catwalk hosted by social media agency creators incorporated was open and models were strutting their stuff up and down it then one person entered the runway in new york wearing a shower cap swimming shorts and a plastic cape type thing over their topless body it looked like it was either a trash bag or one of those plastic ponchos you can sometimes see handed out at festivals and when it rains either way it certainly made a statement The person was greeted as any other model on the catwalk with plenty of cheers and applause, but all was not as it seemed. At the model near the end of the runway, a security officer can be seen chasing him down. Then at the end of the catwalk, the security guard grabs hold of him and drags him from the runway, leaving the audience nonplussed. It seems that the model was in fact not showing off a fashion statement, but was actually an intruder.
1: It's funny that everybody just thought it was legit and they're like, Oh, wow. Oh, yeah.
0: Look at that. Oh, He's making a statement. Wow, he's the trash look man.
1: at that. Yeah. Now watch that fashion. Just oh yeah. It's going to take, take off, off anyway.
0: Yeah. After the video was shared on social media, many took to the comments to share their thoughts with one person quipping. That's not garbage, but garbage. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go, people. That is our episode for this week. Beyond the news touching on a lot of the topics that we talk about during these beyond the news episodes, so many different things happening. AI embedded in every aspect of our life from chips to churches, to everything articles. Are we already in the matrix? How much of the information we read is actually generated by real humans. We don't know anymore. We're in the future. So here we are. That was this episode of beyond the news Bryn, What did you think?
1: Uh, yeah, lots of space, lots of space in AI this week. So, uh, here we go into the future. I think, I guess, yeah, it really comes down to what is even human created or not anymore. Uh everything you read on the internet and is happening with computing. It's pretty wacky. See what happens. I
0: have a confession to make. I'm not real. I've been AI this whole time, oh, people. I fooled what? you. That's how advanced it is. It's Just kidding. That quantum kidding.
1: computing trip, or that quantum computing chip that uh, I saw you slip in the other day behind
0: your ear. Yeah, sure. It's not AI. It's JI. I'm yeah. Jake. Jake. Jake's intelligence. <laughs> so, well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. We talked about so many different things. It was a fun episode. Love it. Take a minute to process everything you heard here from. AI, again, being embedded in everything, psychedelic professorships at Harvard, legalized everything. Look at how the world is changing. There's a lot of good here. This is what we report on. So, again, thank you for joining us, Bryn. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Definitely check out her website, VinylForceHerbs.com. And I just want to say thank you again. If you're listening to me interview people, we've had such a great run lately and we have so much more coming. So help spread the word. Thank you for being a part of this. I deeply appreciate your presence wherever it is, in the time stream, ethereally, however you show up, wherever we are interacting, our energies. I just want to say thank you. So on that note, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.